Welcome everybody to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. My name is Dylan Murphy. Uh, welcome as always, my co-host John Gillen. John, how are you this week? I, I'm doing all right. It's, uh, I explained to you all the craziness with the computer, so I'm on Nicole's yes. computer oh, for no. now. And then, uh, yeah, that's fun times. Fun times. A little peek behind the curtain there. Just yeah. Know. Who's yeah. Nicole? Yeah. Who knows? It could be Who anybody. knows? It, it could, could be, be anybody. Mom. But it's not. And let's, let's, <laughs> let's lay that down right now. That is not my mother. Nicole is your wife. Mystery solved. Oh, uh, come on. Oh, come See, on. Now, oh, jeez. Okay. We'll, we'll save it for the affair podcast that we have. Um, oh, so, no. sharpen your affair. Um, so, welcome, everybody. We have a great episode in, in store for you today. We have a wonderful interview with uh, the, the beautiful, magical jazz guitar god uh, from the Netherlands, Jens Larsen. Uh, who is, you know, a, a third appearance, John, I want to say? I think it's his third, yeah. Yeah, Good to, yeah. always good to have him back. Super knowledgeable, super informative. Yeah, third appearance, second book, you know, the, the, man's, the man's a legend. Uh, so, uh, basically, before we do that, we're going to do our Lick of the Week, which is basically where we, one of us picks a lick, and the other one has to, uh, well, guess what it is, and then we can talk a little bit about it. So, John, you got my Lick of the Week there ready to go? Okay, let's uh let's let's have a listen. I've made it easy this week. Oh hey. Hey oh. Okay, yeah. So I actually know this one. Hooray! Hooray, that's a first. Alright, so this is snow. Hey ho, ho hey. Hey all hail. Yes. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, by the uh, Red Hot Chili Habaneros. So, yes, very yes, good. Good, imp- exactly. good improv there. Yay! Yes. No, it yes. wasn't really. But yes, Red Hot Chili Peppers. So there we yes, go. Yes, this is Snow off their uh, last John Frusciante album, but possibly they're not their last ever. Whoa, John Frusciante album. Because John Frusciante is back in the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I woke up yesterday. It's a Christmas miracle. I saw it on <laughs> Flea's Instagram. I was like, oh my God. I thought it was a prank. I thought it was completely fake. So, John, uh, John Frusciante, are you a fan? Um... I, I am not the level of fan that you are, so yes, I, I certainly um, will give credit where credit is due, and I, I do think he he adds a few things to the Red Hot Chili Peppers that he doesn't get a whole lot of credit for. So um, okay. things like his backing like vocals and stuff like yes. that, um, which you know the the other guitarists Josh and uh, Dave Navarro aren't. Um, aren't as known for, I guess. Um, but I think that extra creative element that he brings can be something special. And it's licks like that. You know, Snow is Snow is one of those deceptively difficult licks. Yes, absolutely. That's one of it's, the reasons why I picked it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's one I've taught several times. Um, I recently taught uh can't stop which is another weird one if you're trying to play it the mm. way he plays it uh i need to do a video on this at some point just because it's uh it's weird there's weird. a couple okay. of different ways to play it i play it in a very classical way but if you watch Frusciante play it he does a little thumb wrap around thing oh okay for the for the b for the b note 
Yeah, well, for that that B sliding up to that C, and he's and the way he wraps his thumb and mutes all the other strings, so he plays all the way through, like he strums it. Mm. Um, but that's that's can't stop. That's not that's not this song. This song's an interesting one, and I think it's picked, isn't it? Like, doesn't he use a flat pick? It for is us? picked. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and it's weird to hear those kind of because it's basically you're more of the music nerd than I am. These are essentially arpeggios. Oh yeah, he has yeah. like a three note chord or three note shape, and he's essentially just like alternate picking everything, and um, a little, little bit of a hammer on towards the end. And it's basically just like a four chord song, but it's that that makes it so interesting. It's the picking motif, which I really really like. Yeah, yeah cool. it's kind of a so. Uh, <laughs> Oh, sorry. Sorry. See, delay. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's you're right. Like it is those. It's kind of a simple like three note arpeggio pattern. Yeah. Um, though with this particular riff as well, like I have a tendency to finger pick it because for me that's a little bit easier. That's not correct, but it is a way to kind of get around it and get through it a little bit faster if that's more your inclination. So that's which it is. Yeah, <laughs> it always is. Yeah. Uh, cool. No, that's that's it's really interesting to kind of come at it from that uh, approach. So yeah, I'm 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 a Frusciante nerd. Frusciante was one of the reasons why I picked up a guitar. Uh, like I was, you know, in my early teens when By the Way came out, and it was just such a big thing for me. And they have this live. At Slain DVD, which is you know a really one of the best live concerts ever, uh, in my opinion, because Frusciante is just on fire and he is just loving it. The tone is so crisp, and the way that he just interacts with everybody else—it's such a monumental piece of guitar playing for I think so many guitarists these days. Mm. So having him back is is a, is a big deal because I've never seen the Red Hot Chili Peppers live before. This is my you know chance to possibly see them. I know they're all you know, for pass, possibly the last chance ever is, is, is a really big deal for me personally as a guitar player because it's just been kind of a lifelong thing for me. And yeah, I just, I, I, just, I, I don't know why he's back. I, there are rumors that it's like he has a lot of alimony to pay. You know, I don't know, maybe he, the same thing happened. No, it's, I mean, like the same thing happened to Slash. Slash recently had to sell loads of guitars because, and, you know, do the tour because his ex-wife basically took half. Wow. Yeah, so fascinating. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what's the what's the backstory on why he left in the first place? To to be honest, like that's the thing. I don't really follow the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, Again, like we'll totally give credit where credit is due. Frusciante's playing style is really unique and somewhat Mm. eclectic, I think. And so, yeah. um, But yeah, like I, I, I think the first time. Correct me if I'm wrong he was kicked out or left just because of the drugs, right? And, yeah, so... And that's when exactly. Dave Navarro came in. Pr- pretty much. Uh, so, John Fashanti joined the Chili Peppers, I think it was like 88, and when he was really young, I think he was like 20, and he was basically a disciple of Hillel Slovak, the band's previous guitarist, and he made Mother's Milk with them, and then Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which was really what broke them into the mainstream, and succumbed... Uh, eventually to a, a real drug problem uh, which is like heavily documented this dutch film crew uh really kind of uh, overstepped the line and shot footage of him in his heroin den it's really Whoa. really scary to see yeah it, you can find it on youtube and he's just 
you know, strung out all the time and he can barely play. And it's, it's, it's really, really scary. And if you Google the term John Frusciante, the first one, the first search results that come up is his arms because his arms are so still really badly scarred from that period. And you can see it in so many of the videos, but yeah, it's a real kind of story. So Dave Navarro joined then they recorded one hot minute. I think it has some really good songs on it, Mm -hmm. but it's, 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 Californication, which I think is 98 or 99, and then made three albums, uh, including Stadium Arcadium, which, like, purists will think, like, it is Frusciante's album. The tone is amazing. The uh, guitar arrangements, like, it's really, really interesting guitar playing. And reading interviews with him from that period is so interesting because what he really was into was just the chord tones and finding, like, the right notes and picking. Everything was so minutely constructed. And then he basically decided that I don't have kids. Like I don't have a big house. I don't want any of those things. I don't really need to be on tour all the time. I can just, you know, live off my earnings that I have and make solo records. And that's basically what he's been doing. Very electronica focused drum machine stuff. And yeah, I mean, like I've, I've dipped in and out of that stuff, but it's always been kind of his playing with the chilies that has really been what I've been interested in. And yeah, it's, it's good to have him back. Like I, I think, yeah, I think Blood Sugar Sex Magic, like I have the tab book here. I got it about 10, 11 years ago. And it's just full of so many things. It really has that. It, it's basically Jean Frusciante over the last 20 years uh, or 30 years has basically been, I think, Hendrix continued. I think it's really been the proper stuff that Hendrix really developed in the late 60s, just kind of carried on in terms of the voicings and the chord progressions and everything. So, yeah, sorry, fangirling here, but yeah. Big, big fan. That's interesting. I, I, I see him as a lot cleaner and more articulate than Hendrix. Yeah, I think there's, there's some things, especially on Blood Sugar, there's a lot of like sweeping kind of flowing chord progressions. And there's like little tricks like the thumb over the neck mm-hmm. and the, you know, the, the double stops and the you know, really, really nice uh, shapes that he would use. You know, like everybody's learned under the bridge, but it's, you know, to play it, or like like he does, you know, he's using that C shape D chord, which you know is textbook Hendrix, and yeah. I, I find it much more interesting than say the Hendrix disciples, like you know uh, John Mayer, and, mm. and I think that what Hendrix, what what Frusciante did was was much more in carrying on into the in the creative tradition, and then when that was fused with kind of pop song structures, that's what what really interested me because there's just, there's so much going on within like, you know, a three minute song. That's always yeah. really, really interesting. And everything from like slide playing to like big bombastic riffs to the acoustic finger pluck stuff. Like he could really do it all. And I'm, I'm delighted to hear that he's back playing live with the Chili Peppers and they've no gigs announced yet, but uh, well, they have three in the States, but no massive tours. So fingers crossed to come over here and I won't be, brutally disappointed well like, i presume so. there's there's going to be a new album here in another year or so and then yeah gonna run a, that'd be run great shows so yeah I, i'd be i you've never seen them live joe no no i haven't um you know they were never really they're, they're one of the bands i i came to appreciate later we'll put it that yeah. way like the early stuff and you know like give it away like of course it's a great song it was one of the ones that uh, that really got me into them. You know, I bought the greatest hits. I bought Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, and One Hot Minute. Um, yeah. Again, I think there's there was some good stuff with Dave Navarro, but it's it's only been recently as I've had to learn some of the Frusciante licks because people are interested that made me go, yes. huh. You know, there's there's more to it here than maybe I, I, I wouldn't say I I would give credit 
for in the okay. past, but uh, I just hadn't thought about, to be honest. So interesting. I know that's yeah. I know that's like sacrilege for a guitar player to say, but not at yeah. all. I I think it's you know like what you like. I think coming from because you sort of hit your uh, you know what you really got interested in guitars was like kind of like the the eighties very technical stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's it makes sense that you know for Shanti it wouldn't so much be as interesting to you as some of that stuff, which is totally cool. Um, that's why we have this podcast, John, because we're from two different worlds. Um, <laughs> so, sorry, flailing my arms. Uh, yeah, so cool. M- moving on. So now for something completely different. To quote Monty Python, Yay. we have uh, yes, we have Jens Larsen on with us, friends. Uh, John, for people that don't know Jens, this is the first time hearing of him or hearing him speak. How would you describe him? Um, you know, we came across him through YouTube, I think, I think both of us did and just said, yeah. have you seen this guy? This is great. He's yeah. a, he's pretty well known on the continent there as a gigging guitar player. He teaches at one of the local universities. He's hey, a yes. great educator. So that's the thing I really appreciate about his YouTube stuff is he walks mm. you through and there's so much packed into his little 10 minute videos, you know? So Ridiculous I think it's, amount. yeah, it, he does such a great job of explaining things clearly, articulately, but there's definitely those moments where you have to like rewind his video and practice what he's talking about, you know? So, um, and, and really wrap your head around it. And I, and the books got to recommend those as well. I've got uh, the latest one on my wish list. So hint, hint for Christmas time. <laughs> Is that for me or for the listeners? Yeah, I don't know. Whoever's listening that know. wants to buy me his latest book, like, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> don't hold back. Because um, I haven't so bought we... it yet. Sorry, Jens. But there you go. Yeah. Yes, okay, we can always appreciate uh, his. He's been on the show now, like we said, three times, and always been great, insightful. Is there anything that I missed that you can add to who he is and what he does? Not really. I mean, he, uh... Basically, it kind of touches on what we were talking about in the last episode, which was, you you know, there are so many people out there who are creating this amazing instructional content for free. And I think Jens is one of the first people that really, uh, you know, opened my eyes to that on YouTube. And he just has so much going for him. So, yeah, um, if you're a jazz head, I think you should definitely check him out. And even if you're not, you're going to take something from this interview. So without further ado, here's Jens Larson. Say that one more time. It got kind of like glitchy. Uh, so yeah, if you're a jazz head, or you know, if you just if you're interested in developing your guitar skills, hopefully you'll get something from this interview. Uh, without further ado, this is Jens Larsen, a recurring guest, friend of the show, YouTube guitar video maker extraordinaire, also uh, author. I want to say now, Jens. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's glad to be back. I'm glad to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you. Thank, thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy teaching and YouTubing schedule to be with us. Uh, since we last chatted, um, you have put out a book called Modern Jazz Guitar Concepts, Cutting Edge, I'm reading this off Amazon, Jazz Guitar Techniques. <laughs> um, so uh, how does it feel? You, how long did it take? Was it, was it very hard to put together? Well, actually, I, I put up another book after that one as well. Oh, so, okay. Maybe that's the one uh, I'm... Listen, this, so that's the first, this is the first book. So I, uh, that feels really great. Uh, I, I kind of made the two books together. Okay. So, uh, ah, yes. so, so I've written them at the same time and then kind of transformed them into two books. Uh, but that feels really good. It's, it's been, especially the first book has been extremely well received. Yeah, I can see and, that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've had 
yeah, it's just been great to get that kind of feedback from people like, okay, this is the things we want to know, but also just laid out in a, in a, an order and a way to go through it and stuff like that. So that's, that's been really, really, really nice to, to go through. Actually. Great. And can I, can I ask what prompted you to, um, to put these books together? Was it, um, I mean, was it stuff that your, your pupils were coming, coming up to you with, or was it like stuff that you'd heard on YouTube or just maybe recurring lessons that you found yourself giving or, um, kind of what was the motivation behind it? Well, I think the main motivation was that um, I was writing, I mean, like, I think like you guys, I have a Patreon uh, mm. page and uh, I had set this goal on the Patreon page that when I had, I think it was when I had a hundred patrons, ah, okay. then I would, I would write a book of, uh, of 50 licks, like a, a short method using 50 licks. And um, I was in, when I, when I reached a hundred, I did that and I published on social media, like, well, I'm, I've written this book for my patrons and, uh, and that was just a celebration. And then a publisher that I've worked with a few, uh, quite a few times doing some PR videos mm. and stuff like that, Joseph Alexander of Fundamental Changes, he was immediately like, hey, we need to publish this. You need to make it into a real book, not just for your patrons. Mm, and great. that's kind of how, that's actually kind of how it happened. Uh, but it was already, it was already like the first volume was what I had written for the patrons. And then I reworked everything and I added more stuff to it. And that turned into be then like the modern concepts and also the advanced concepts for jazz guitar, modern jazz guitar. Can I ask Jens, the, uh, I, I, think, I think it's interesting you titled it Modern Concepts. I, I think there's kind of this idea from looking from the outside into jazz that it's kind of stale, that it's been the same thing since the 60s and the 70s, and it really hasn't advanced much, but, which obviously is not true, but I think from the outside, there's a little bit of that mentality. What, what do you think makes these concepts modern, per se? And what is it that you kind of do a little bit differently? I think, well, I think what really makes it, well, first off, I didn't actually title it modern, uh, the, the <laughs> publisher did this, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but at the same time, there is, I think there is, there is something, uh, I think the most modern thing about the book is actually how I'm teaching it, how I'm presenting the material. Uh, mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are also things that are a part of modern jazz that are not really often found in other uh, methods or, if it's, or in other books because I'm using like quarter harmony and uh, upper structures and there are some melodic things that are not really, really taught in other places that often. And I think that really is what gives the material in there because of course I'm just using lines like I play them and, um, and, and the material that, that I would play if I'm playing a concert. So in that way, they don't sound like, I mean, I'm old, but I'm not from the 60s. So. So it's a, it's a little, uh, <laughs> little bit more, in that way, it's more modern. It's simply the material uh, that I use in my music just have more modern um, influences and, and more modern materials, things that are uh, from the, the last few decades, I guess. That's great. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a great sales pitch. <laughs> Why you need to buy this <laughs> and not just Ted Green, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. We're, um, yeah, we're, we're a big fan of those books. Um, and also, like, I've gotten one from Chris Zupa, who's, who works with um, Fundamental Changes as well, yeah. friend of the show. Um, I believe you saw um, him perform with Terra Maze, was it last week? Yeah, yeah that was uh, last, uh, last uh, Sunday. Ah, that was how, how, how was it to meet up with him in person? Was it strange? No, I mean, well, we, we've uh, talked on Skype a few times. And, and, uh, mm. 
so so in that way that's of course not the difference is not that big in in, uh, in that respect uh, but it was just nice to meet was, him, you know i mean for, for yeah people, like i know him for, for this for so long he's the reason that i'm making youtube videos kind of mm. he's the one convinced me to do that so so in that way it was special for me to meet him sort of thing. oh that's cool no, it's, uh, it was great. It was it warmed my heart to see it on Instagram, <laughs> see it pop up. It was, it was great. Um, just Jens, talking a bit about because you discussed it a little bit before. Um, your YouTube channel is, I think, it's one of the best guitar instructional channels on YouTube. Like I'm not a jazz guy per se, but I was managed, you know, to find a video. I mean, you've got videos coming out. You said you have two a week now yeah. that come out, um, each of which contain. Bundles of information. Um, I, I was even like, for me, there's some titles I'm like, I have no idea what that means because <laughs> <laughs> it gets quite jazzy at times. But you you released one about a week ago that was basically this is a good ten minute uh, practice routine, and that that you know piqued my interest. I think it's you know it's very nicely titled. You know, it'll it'll get people clicking. And yeah, it was it was super interesting. And um, for you know, because we all we always think of practices like this gargantuan task that has to be you have to sit down for for hour after hour but i, I think you know in, in people's busy lives um brevity is really key to uh, fitting in uh, practicing these things could you break it down for people that didn't watch the video or haven't seen the video yet um what do you think like would would be in a good practice routine well i mean i think of course a practice routine is going to be depending on what you want to learn yeah uh, also in terms of style and stuff but for, for jazz which is of course what i do then uh, there's um, and I, I guess I should preface this also with what I'm also saying in the video is that if it's a 10 minute practice routine, there is definitely like a limit to how much you're going to yeah, course doing, the, doing that. Mm. But at the same time, you need to kind of cover everything in a, in a practice, routine, or cover at least the major things that, that you need to keep in shape and keep working on. So that means that there's going to be some technique, uh, just some basic technique that's going to be coordination of the hands and just getting um, notes on the guitar to sound proper. Uh, but also technique that is going to help you when you improvise, because of course, at least for me, jazz is mostly about improvising. So, mm. uh, so already when you're practicing scales and and practicing that part of your technique, you should kind of have some improvisational element in there. The re the way I suggest you do that is by um, uh, by just changing up the exercises as much as you can. Mm. So just. You practice you, like the way I suggest you do it is, is first practice just the scale, the basic scale. If you're playing C major, then play C major in all the positions you use, and then try to go through um, the same positions, but then use the diatonic triads, the diatonic thirds, or yeah, um, you know, seventh chords with leading notes, so that, that kind of stuff. Uh, let's see what else do I have in there then. Um, also, just some basic arpeggio skills next to what I would say. Even though I, I tend to say work on your arpeggios in your scales, because when you're improvising, you're not playing an arpeggio and then a scale. You're kind of playing something that's both at the same time. Oh, that's sure. really good. Of course. This, this needs to connect. So the best way to practice arpeggios, I find, is to do it in the scales and kind of try and, and already connect that information. So, so that's in there as well. Then um, some 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 uh, exercises that are for vocabulary this can be uh, like a transcription of a solo or something out of a book so you you're developing new vocabulary and working on your phrasing from existing examples uh, and and then finally just 
playing a lot. And uh, yeah. uh, I mean, that's like if you want to be good at playing jazz, then your practice routine needs to be mostly playing jazz. But to practice, right? That's what you want to learn. So, which is escapes a lot of people for some reason. But uh, yeah, so so there would be choosing so a song. If it's a 10 minute practice routine, you can't need to choose a song. Uh, maybe go through some song. So, for instance, take. Long melody, getting improvising, making lines, all the skills, putting it all together, uh, all the things that you just worked on in the previous five minutes. Cool. cool. No, that's, that's that's great. Thank you for the breakdown. A lot of different elements there that I know you could spend you know hours just practicing any one of those. Have it condensed into a a way to navigate through it. It's it's. I think it's really helpful. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's something that I was. I made one which was a little bit more realistic. That was like 30 minutes, um, which I think is, is more like, okay, if you actually want to learn something and you can do 30 minutes every day, then you're going to get somewhere. But then the one, so that's okay. What, had, what have to, has to be in there and what do you need to think about if you only have, And then of course, I mean, it's the same for me. I also don't have time to practice all the time, you know, to really get into it. We, so there's a part of what you do that's also just going to be staying in shape. And, uh, uh, and and getting and still just making sure that you make some music every day and, and in that way staying in touch with your instrument and, and the art in that way. Yeah, I suppose it's great in terms of the fact that your your lifestyle really reflects that. Uh, you know, you, coming up with these videos and, you know, demonstrating them and basically, you know, I know you teach um, individual uh, students um, aside from YouTube, but I mean, it must, it must be, I mean, do you, how do you find that in terms of like coming up with the, the video ideas? Do you find that it's it's easy because you're, you're quite prolific? Uh, no, I find that fairly difficult to do. Really? In, in, I mean, yeah, I mean, coming up with the ideas because... Uh, well, by now, just because I've made a lot of videos already, so uh, <laughs> I've covered a lot of things. And then, of course, there's there's always, luckily, I mean, with, with something like YouTube, even though YouTube videos tend to last long, then you also want to revisit some of the topics, also because I find that I've changed the way I think about things. I've also changed the way I teach things. That's always evolving. So sometimes I will make videos that are actually so better, what I would consider better versions of what I did in the beginning. Cool. And actually, I think my second most viewed video is a video from this year that is essentially just a better version of the second video I ever made. Oh, wow. That's, that's kind of cool. So it's like, yeah, so, so that's, yeah, so, so that's nice. And that's also, that makes it a little bit easier to, uh, to keep on going and coming up with topics. And then also just to, to, I mean, in, in try and figure out what it is people are looking for, what problems mm. do you need? Like, I've, um, I found that it doesn't work for me to ask people what they want videos on, because then I get sort of really strange answers that I can't <laughs> <laughs> But if I ask people what, so that, that's really just about communicating. So, so that's, but if you ask people what they're finding difficult, and what they're practicing and what they're working on and what they want to do, then you can find the things that they're actually looking for that can help them get further. And then you can tell in the comments or in, in the Facebook group or something like how they respond to it. 
Yeah, great. Thank you so much for, for elaborating on that. Um, in, in terms of, um, so I went to see um, Andreas Ferrati. He's a Irish uh, jazz guitarist. Um, I knew him from, because he, he's um, he grew up in my hometown in Limerick and he used to busk on the street, um, and which is kind of a strange to know. Uh, for people that don't know, this is, uh, I think he's, he's becoming a real, like internationally famous in the jazz scene as a guitarist and um, he's like 21 years old mm -hmm. and I saw him play as part of the Galway Jazz Festival uh, which for so many years was just an afternoon in a wine bar but is now like a full four-day jazz festival and I am playing with his family playing with his dad on bass and his brother on drums and he was just phenomenal and I, I suppose my jazz um, I don't know the things that I listen to would be much more kind of older kind of rooted in the classic side but is there anything modern I mean you wrote this book about you know, modern jazz concepts and um, are there any like mo modern players that are really doing it for you that you listen to on a regular basis yeah. uh, but, uh, quite a few actually uh, tomorrow I'm going to see uh, Gilad Hexelman uh, oh yeah uh, concert that's I mean the last time I went to see him play was that was completely mind-blowing I think that, that guy is amazing on on so many different levels also especially I think what what has been which I'm actually not so much talking about in the books, but, but um, what I think has really changed and de developed a lot in jazz music has been um, rhythm. So, mm -hmm. so the, the, the rhythmical complexity in terms of using odd meters and polyrhythms and stuff like that is really something that has evolved quite, quite a lot the last uh, 20 years compared to, to, uh, to earlier jazz. And, um, I think Pilat is, is especially with I Hunik, uh, the drummer, they are kind of on the on the forefront of developing this, and also seem to be kind of actually on the forefront of developing teaching in it, which is this is kind of interesting also. Uh, so um, hmm. I'm really looking forward to this. Pilat is definitely a favorite of mine. Uh, Jonathan Kreisberg is also another favorite of mine, also sort of mainstream jazz guitar player, who's making more and more of a name for himself. Uh, he's he's actually. Uh, I saw him play, what is that, half a year ago. He's touring now for, uh, um, well, for a quarter CD, but he's also touring for a duo CD he did with a Brazilian guitar player called Nelson Veras, who is uh, also, he lives in Paris and teaches in Paris, and he doesn't, he doesn't tour that much, but uh, Jonathan Kreisberg sort of pulled him out and took him, well, pretty much all over the whole world. And that guy <laughs> is also completely completely amazing also again with the rhythmical thing just completely far out fantastic <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and then also well actually also melodic melodic material and and also he's one of those people who's really uh, went for the modern classical thing so he has all his mishamos um, and all those kind of other sounds more modern classical sounds that usually only hear that come along Unless you listen to Alan Holdsworth, it's like you'll hear it, Michael Brecker, for like two minutes, you know, or for like a, a few phrases and then it's gone again. But um, but he really has made that into complete pieces of music and stuff. But he does he does stuff like that. He also does uh, stuff like playing uh, bebop themes subdivided in five and stuff. Yeah, wow. crazy. So yeah, that's that's well worth checking out. And of course, it's. Uh, and at the same time, he, he actually manages to still be a very melodic player because this sounds like it's very sort of uh, avant-garde. Yeah, well, avant-garde, also just like 
brainy and intellectual and you know but but actually it also has a very natural side to it. he has a very strong sense of a very direct <coughs> sense of melody so it's not all just thinking <laughs> <laughs> not having to constantly process what he's doing <laughs> no. that's always a positive i think yeah <laughs> That's cool. So, it, I mean, in that way, you're, you're kind of talking about the evolution of the genre and the evolution of the guitar player in jazz. Like, it's, it's not just, uh, just kind of just the rhythm instrument. It's not a Freddie Green type of rhythm anymore. No. Well, I mean, Freddie Green, but Freddie Green was also, it's kind of like a chapter of, of jazz guitar that almost... You can't say it completely has ended because, of course, if you get called for a big band gig, you you will have, you are likely to to be able to to have to play Freddie Green style music, which in this case maybe Freddie Green is just playing swing rhythm and is just playing quarter notes. Um, but yeah, it's it's not it's not a huge part of, of of jazz guitar anymore because in there it's like only a groove instrument. It's not there are no solos. Freddie Green. I think his only solo was like arpeggiating some chords in Little Darling. I think that, that was the only time he ever did that. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. Wow. So it's like, yeah, that was like nothing uh, in terms of solos at all. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious, Jens, if someone is just looking to get into it, what do you, so we, we, we have a list of contemporary players that, uh, we have a list of contemporary players that are great to listen to now. What about, how do you start? Where would you suggest somebody start? Obviously, they buy your book, and then what? <laughs> so. Yeah, so, in terms of learning, so I think in term, the, the thing that very often happens is with jazz is that people don't learn jazz as a first style of music. Mm -hmm. I think that's true. Like you, you're uh, the way you got in. If you're into jazz, or if you when you've been busy with jazz, that was also not the first thing you were checking out. The same goes for me. I didn't learn start with jazz, so. Yeah we come into jazz later. And I think very often uh, the focus becomes on the skills. And also very often actually the focus becomes on the skills in jazz that you want to take and then use in another style of music. That can be a little bit tricky, but uh, I think if you want to start learning jazz, the thing you most certainly have to do if you really want to get anywhere is to start learning the music. So don't focus only on the skills, yeah. really just try to learn the, the songs. And in that way, take something that'll, or build something that, that where you're using the things. It's a little bit like, um, how can you say, uh, if you want to learn the blues, it's not enough just to practice bending. You want to, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, that, that's, that's not going to cut it. I mean, you need, I mean, if you want to play jazz, you need, along the way, you need to learn how to improvise over changes, and you need to learn how to phrase and, and uh, have vocabulary that sounds like jazz, which is, really a sound similar to, I think the best analogy that most people recognize is like, you know when something sounds like blues mm. in the same way, if you know jazz, you know when something sounds like jazz. Yeah. You need to be able to play like that. And that's not, those, so those are skills that you do need, but the best way to really learn that and also really make that a part of your playing is to actually play the music. So I would, I, I tend to, I teach at a young talent school and, and there that's really where we start. We start by teaching the kids standards. Mm -hmm. And then you start from, uh, you kind of start from a, the big picture. So you actually teach them a song and then they don't know how to play all the chords. They don't, they just have some sort of uh, basic key or scale that they can work with. And then we, we take the bigger picture and the music and we refine it along the way. 
maybe not through one song, but but, but just like in that sure. way, you, you start you start with a complete piece of music, and it is always a piece of music, and then you add detail to it, and in that way you build something, and that works really well. And I would imagine that actually what I also see with all the students that's what works the best. Cool. So something you can constantly kind of build on as you, you know, develop as a player. Yeah. And you're you're constantly learning the language and you're you're learning more of what what it is to speak in jazz, I guess. Is is that kind of how you see that? Yeah, I think so. I mean I think that's also something that you would want to see the same as, as with our the way we use language is that it is changing. We we do always through our entire life uh, add expressions or habits and take away other habits or expressions and the way that you improvise should be the same that you will you will develop that and you will keep developing that as long as you play yeah that's that great that's i think yeah that's 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 really cool i think that's like a really good um kind of message to i suppose to kind of maybe wrap this up with um if you guys have anything else i'm just wondering um so jens i mean you've you've got you've put out two books in the last i think since tw the end of 2018 was it the first yep. book came out yeah so what's next have you are you um i mean you i know school season just started uh, over there in the netherlands and well um, holy hell we're halfway through october um but i so I, what, what is there anything currently that you're working on are you playing more live is there any uh is there anything that you're really focusing for the next you know from now until the end of the year uh well there are a few things um luckily i have like since i went to two videos a week i have more time to hang out with my friends and jam. So that's good Great. for me. <laughs> that's that just, I get to play more. Uh, so that that's, which is not maybe in the directly of any influence on the rest of the world, but hey, that's good for you, which is <laughs> yeah, yeah, for me. <laughs> better work life balance, um, right? That's, that's what we're going exactly. for. Yeah, that's, that's good. But um, yeah, and then I'm planning to, um, I'm, I'm trying to see if I can make an online course. So these idea that I, ideas that I talked about in terms of, uh, learning to play jazz and also just learning from a complete piece of music is something that I want to see if I can put into an online course and then I want to publish that hopefully uh, beginning of next year and um, for the rest I'm probably after well as soon as I'm done with that I'll write the third book that's also in the planning and then i'm at the moment trying to see if i can get it so far that i can plan to go to nam in uh january cool awesome that'd be great we should yeah, also try to go to nam in january <laughs> <laughs> cool but uh yeah those are sort of the things that i'm immediately working on and then um we'll see there are a few things happening in terms of uh bands coming up again. My my band, Trabin, which has released three albums, is kind of like on a hiatus right now because I've been busy and the other leader in the band, the saxophone player, has also been really busy. Uh, but there are some other projects coming up, but that's, I can't say too much about what they're actually going to be right now, but there, there are things happening. Cool. Great. We'll look that. forward to all of that. Yeah, thank you so much, Jens. Um, we always love having you on the show. Uh, it's it's this is I think your third third time with yeah, us. Yeah, I think so. And uh, we we 
we really appreciate it. Um, yeah, we've, uh, yeah, it's, it's great to have you back and to help us dummies learn more about the, the terrifying world of jazz. Oh, thanks for <laughs> cool. Yes. Thanks again, Jens. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's always fun to be hanging on. Cool. So yeah, a lot, so much to unpack from that. Uh, in, I mean, I think you can go to pick any one of Jens's videos and just really just take something from them. Just in, if it's chord voicings, if it's picking exercises, if it's like standards, jazz standards, the, the man does it all. Yeah. Uh, great, great stuff too. With he's, he recently put out a, a kind of a series on soloing over changes that I thought was absolutely fantastic. And he covers some of that in his book as well. So um, yeah, highly recommend it. Yeah, a hundred percent. Sweet. So, John, have you been working on anything in this festive Christmas season? Uh, festive Christmas season. Oh gosh. Okay. So, I have played. I have probably about ten students right now working on Christmas Eve Sarajevo by the band Sabotage, and later to be Trans Siberian Orchestra. Oh, okay. So, I was like, what yes, the hell? Christmas is... Eve Sarajevo is the. It's the Carol of the Bells type song that they do. You know, it's the heavy metal Christmas yes, song. Of course. <laughs> so, I mean, it's entertaining the first few times. I will say that. Uh, but I end up playing it every year. Um, I've got a couple of students who are working on Mad Russians Christmas and Wizards in Winter. So, it's, What is going on with the youth of today? Uh, it's a heavy metal Christmas. It's a hair metal Christmas. That's really what it is. So <laughs> besides that, um, yeah, actually working on on a couple other things for for some videos, some ZZ Top and some Mastodon. So we'll see. Oh, see buddy. Goes. Are you a fan of Mastodon? Yeah, yeah. There's, a, a, we'll, we'll get to that because that's, that's what I've been listening to this week. So we'll talk a little bit okay, more on Mastodon sweet. in the next segment. But first, what have you been playing? You, you've got tons of gigs coming up this week and in the next couple of weeks. So Yeah, I've had talk. a good bit going on. So I... I was basically I did a video shoot yesterday for one of my uh, just like basically a live session of one of my songs. It wasn't topless, was it? It wasn't topless. No, not oh, this one. Um, I'm working on my winter bod, so <laughs> topless, uh, topless videos would be November next year. Uh, so, but I, so that was fun. That kept me busy. And the, what's really keeping me busy this week is I, I well, a friend, well, my my girlfriend's brother is putting together a charity night of local musicians getting together and playing Tom Waits songs and what? I'm a big fan. That's awesome. yes. yeah so basically it's like I think we've got like 15 songwriters are each picking two songs myself included and we're basically kind of just paying tribute to the great man and all the proceeds go to a local homeless charity so we're really happy to be doing that we're hoping to pack the place out and um, but the whole thing is really interesting for me is because I've basically got roped into playing electric guitar for just backing essentially to go back and listen to Mark Rabot's guitar playing on those records because it is just otherworldly. Somebody described it on YouTube as guitar playing that's just falling down the stairs. Like it's just so jagged and bluesy, but also kind of I don't know how to describe it. It's twisted. It's it's really yeah. it's like a lot a lot of diminished fifths, a lot of like wrong notes on purpose, but also a lot of kind of really tasty double stops that come out of nowhere. Um, I mean, uh, Tom Waits' music isn't really known for 
guitar playing. It's more so a whole uh, atmosphere based around the lyrics. But it's it's it, there's some really interesting stuff there, and it's like weird, distorted jazz, and I'm really starting to appreciate it now that I actually have to learn it. And um, there's an instructor named Eric Wahan, I think is his name, on YouTube, who basically is a massive Mark Rebo fan and has this beautiful 1966 Fender Jaguar that he uses to basically demonstrate what he's doing. And yeah, I might try and get him on the show actually. So yeah, that's basically learning different chord shapes um, for this gig, just in terms of like trying to do the whole Nashville 145 number system uh, to try and break down all these songs because that's been fun and basically trying to learn some really discordant licks to go along uh, <laughs> with the songs has really been keeping me busy. So yeah, that's that's basically me for this week anyway and I'm really enjoying it actually. Nice. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's, it's good. I suppose that kind of falls into the category of what I've been listening to as well. Um, that uh, that that's that's basically what's been keeping me going. Um, a lot of people are doing songs off. So there's two big Tom Waits albums. Uh, they're for you know people that are looking to get started. Uh, Closing Time, which is his first album, which came out in 1973, which was <laughs> the album that he played when he was asked to support Frank Zappa on tour. And wow, that was his like his first major label tour was with Asylum Records with supporting Frank Zappa. And this is like the real folky stuff at the time that you know Don McLean and all the boys are really big so yeah so that's kind of his big one and then Rain Dogs came in the late 80s like maybe his like seventh or eighth album after that and it's the it's the fun jazzy atmospheric stuff so that those are the two albums I've really had on repeat because those are the songs that people want to play so yeah that's what it really what I've been listening to but John Mastodon go yeah, on yeah so yeah I've been listening to Once More Around the Sun um, yes which was their 2014 release i think it was last one before their latest album which i i really i, I think i like the production on the latest album a little bit better but yeah. um once more around the sun's got some great riffs to it and it's it's kind of one of those i was trying to think how i would describe it it's it's kind of like classic rock on steroids i don't know if that's the right bit, way yeah. to describe it it, it's it's mad because it takes all these elements from different levels of rock. I mean, you have the dual guitar, which is you know, they're big Thin Lizzy fans, yeah. and then you have the the kind of the songs can kind of really meander in sort of a proggy way, mm -hmm. but the, there's a real chug that is quintessential sort of. Yeah, I mean, they do a lot of stuff in drop C, you know, and so yeah. it's just, they get those heavy single finger, you know, type power chord riffs um and so they borrow from that but it's they do kind of have this like biker persona and then they have these um uh you know thematic albums like what do you call those what what is concept albums concept album thank you i couldn't think of the word like um like the Moby Dick album, which we've talked yeah. about on the on the show as well. What is it? Leviathan is the name Leviathan. of it. Big know? fan of that. Big fan. Yeah, of that and album. that's that's got some great riffs on there too. That's that was two thousand four, man. Like, ugh. Okay, yeah, it makes me madness. feel old. But <laughs> there's a uh, yeah. I I don't know. I think they have. I think that album in particular has some really great runs on it and just some fantastic stuff. 
So yeah, they're just a really good example of a band that have been going for the bones of two decades and are constantly looking to just you know put out material. They're not riding the one album into the ground. They're constantly evolving and you know trying out new stuff. And they have one of the best drummers in like in rock, like Brian Taylor is a beast. So yeah, I'm 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 always happy to spotlight Mastodon. They come to Ireland all the time. And they always play the same venue and the same people go, <laughs> uh, according to my Facebook. So, yeah, it's, it, they're a great band and I really, really like what they do. Yeah, fantastic. The, uh, so what have you, I mean, like you said, the Tom Waits stuff. What, yeah. what else? Is there anything else that you've been listening to? Let me just check now. Check my, my Spotify. Oh, uh, so I recently discovered a, so I was trying to, you know, figure out what, kind of i didn't want to stray too far from what i was listening to in terms of the blues stuff but uh i've discovered like third third man records has okay. uh, did you see jack jack white put out his own line of pedals no no i didn't <laughs> okay oh my god we'll, we'll we'll save this yeah with his you know his his third man records put out his own i think it was for like black friday or something put out their own mad guitar pedals but the tones sound really cool so maybe we'll save that for a gear talk coming up soon um so i've basically done a deep dive into third man records discography it's all these different kind of bluesy folky artists that have uh, just you know uh, kind of been lost in obscurity like chris teeley has an album on there and you've got like first aid kit and the dead weather but there's loads of really more obscure artists as well that i've kind of been digging as well like karen nelson and the greenhorns so yeah that's kind of what i've been doing not looking to stray too far from what i'm comfortable with really looking to challenge myself right but uh yeah that's that's 2020 dylan's problem not 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 right now fair enough yeah. fair yeah, enough yeah so friends we hope we've given you a a fun content-filled episode thanks to jens uh, once again for being uh, with us uh, we really appreciate him sharing his knowledge and his uh charming accent as always you know john unless you've anything else to add um i haven't it looks like you have a capo in your hand i do have so a capo in my hand <laughs> he's going to stab me with a capo it, it's frightening <laughs> people uh friends until next time stay sharp <laughs>